Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield, and let me tell you, you are not going to want to miss this episode. Just the conversation leading into this program, it's going to be a good one. Lots of great information as we look at what's happening in this grain complex. We'll also take a look at who's owning the grain, planning intentions. We have some big reports coming out this next week. Lots of outside market factors influencing what we see, both grain and livestock. So stick around. It's going to be a doozy of a show on this week's episode. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. Well, welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me, Kyle Bumstead, Kyle with Allendale, and Heather Ramsey with the ARC Group. And I kind of led into, I mean, if I should have been recording our conversation before we started this program, because lots of great things are being talked about. And I kind of want to start out with, with, with this first thing is, who owns the grain? Heather and I had a conversation about this on Friday. Um, a lot of interesting aspects as to what's going on within this trade. And and Heather, I kind of want to start out with you from, from a grain perspective. We know that China's been in buying a lot of, of these grains. Is there grains in these elevator bins to even hand out at this point? Yeah, you know, there's definitely stocks in the elevator still, but what they have capacity to buy from the farmer, I think is a little bit of a different question. And we touched on this um, a little bit on that Fontenelle final bell Friday. There's not as much grain out there for this time of year as what people are used to. We, The market for some reason seems to have forgotten that we had a short crop in 22. Um, I look at our area specifically in Nebraska here, and we have large pockets that saw massive amounts of uh, production issues from this summer. So we had less coming out of the fields. We had more get moved on the front end. So, you know, simple math is less volume, more movement means there's less actual crops sitting on farm today versus what we normally would expect this time of year. Now, there are still some elevators with decent sized ownership on, but I would guess that a lot of them have that spoken for in the deferreds here um, or immediate delivery, quite honestly. So what is available to be sold uh, that someone can get their hands on is a much smaller number right now. I would guess that that is probably somewhere 20 to 30 percent smaller than what we normally see this time of year on farm. You know, my client base, ARC's client base, we've made huge movements already. Uh, we're, we're down to bin bottoms or the very, very last 10, maybe 15% of the crop is what's left on farm. So there's not much left out there. Individuals who are working with an advisor, I would guess they all sit in very similar positions. There may be a few here and there that have large volumes, but they're going to be the minority right now. Um, and, and really, the market is telling us to sell it right now anyways. So it being there long term is not a given this year. That's for sure. So that old story of hold on to the grain till you see some higher prices might be something they need to be looking at and get some grain moved because the demand's there for it. Yeah, uh, the old idea of like store and ignore <laughs> and it'll get better. I don't know that that's reality right now. We had some really good values on the front end uh, to look at today's cash market. We've actually lost money, you know, holding it. Pretty big money holding it. 
So I don't know that that continues. I don't know that that's going to work out in your favor right now. We could see some wild basis values. Will futures follow along with that? Yet to be determined. So let's put the boot on the other uh, other foot, Kyle. And from a from a livestock perspective, you hear the talk of, of the bins and and the dust on the bottom of the bin floor. From a cattle producer and feeder, and even just livestock in general, should there be some uncertainty going on out there? Well, there is a lot of uncertainty right now, and uh, most of that uh, mo most feed yards took up a lot of coverage uh, last fall obviously, but they had some sort of protection underneath it in case this uh, futures market did break. But going back to uh, looking at the futures complex as a whole, we've seen this uh, May-July corn spread uh, go out to about 24, 24 and a quarter cents inversion today. And that, folks, is very friendly to the market. That's very bullish to the market. And to top that off, for the week so far, as of the close last night, the national cash basis index had improved a full penny to 10.3 cents over the uh, May futures versus 9.3. Now, there is a lot of this starting to happen. Merchandisers are starting to roll their bids out to the July. So we're starting to see some of that in feed yard country as well, too, because they're trying to get it bought cheaper. So we do need to keep our eyes out there as far as livestock producers. Is this our time when we've had some low volatility here to get some longer term coverage on just in case? We've got the whole growing season ahead of us, and we are short some uh, bushels out here in some of these areas. As Heather said, we've got pockets of uh, production issues. So that being said, if it's advantageous, maybe needing to get some coverage while we're down here at these values and those deferred issues. Now, in your neck of the woods, you've gotten some decent moisture this winter. Um, Heather and I, we can't buy a snow or a rain to save our lives. But for you, there's the potential for some green pastures, which is good news for the cattle industry. I'm going to say yes and no, Susan. Uh, yes, we've got the moisture, but when it thawed out, that water went right down the creek and went right into stock dams. Granted, we need stock dams and it makes for good fishing later, but we need moisture here for the grass. And if we don't get some moisture here in the next uh, couple of weeks, it's going to be dire here and you could start to see more calls being, more cows being called out of the herd too. What are you hearing from your, from your clients to the north that have had potentially, you know, snow stopping uh, work because of the amount that they've gotten? Yeah, it's snow stopping work is what it is right now. It's uh, making it kind of tough for calving, but they are uh, pretty optimistic. When you look at these feeder cattle prices, they are very optimistic in the Northern Plains here as far as uh, having some grass cattle here. They've been really bidding up on these uh, feeders here lately. Now, we have seen a little bit of a break here in the futures, and I do think that that's probably gonna come to an end. And we do typically have a seasonal rally, both cash and futures uh, until mid-April. But with the amount of liquidation we've seen in some of these other commodity complexes, the violent nature of the sell-off, we have not seen that in the cattle complex. We've seen it in the hogs. Yes, hogs look like they've maybe turned a corner here late this week, but uh, the cattle yet to be determined. It's been very, very quiet as far as violent sell-offs in that market. So here we're talking moisture, Heather, and before we know it, we're going to smell the, the dirt and the diesel out in the field. But that brings up a big report that comes out next Friday. Do you have any thoughts or excitement as to what those numbers might say? Oh, a lovely USDA report. Not my most favorite thing in the world. Um, <laughs> the market right now, it appears like the talk is geared up for expanded acres all the way across the board. More corn than last year, more beans than last year, more wheat than last year. Um, 
my general opinion on the prospective planning's report is this is usually the biggest our acres will ever be. Um, usually that's the case. Uh, I try not to even even think about outguessing the USDA at this point because we've seen some wild things happen on report days before um, where the market is just absolutely not prepared for the number that comes out. Um, with as wild as the market has traded, you know, the macro financial picture that's been out there over the last couple of weeks, the, the soybean pressure in South America that's been out there the last couple of weeks, I expect it to not be a quiet day. I, I expect to just see something wild again, because that's what the market's become accustomed to. Uh, Kyle mentions violent sell-offs. That's what the market's been interested in doing lately is violent movements. And I can't say that I would be surprised to see a, 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 a drastic move one way or the other. I don't know that anyone can really do a good job about guessing the USDA. So I personally stay away from that. Um, it'll be another typical report week, though, where we build into it what the market feels like is going to happen. We get to report day. Unfortunately, report day is at the end of a week this week. So then it'll be the next week when we come back in and then continue to digest what that means. It'll take, you know, two, three days again. And then we'll pick something new to trade off after that. So, so uh, I'm going to ask Pal, when you look at this, I mean, obviously this report builds a lot of steam and, and from a livestock perspective as well, we always seem to forget about them when we look at a planning intentions report, but I'm sure from, from that perspective, you guys watch what those numbers have to say as well. Well, I've actually been watching this report since last September. And what I mean by that, I've been watching uh, the carry and Deese, uh, Deese to March futures out there. And I've been watching that spread between uh, December corn and November beans. And it's been saying all along, plant more corn. Now, December corn is still uh, in, a, in a downtrend and has a long-term uh, long objective of between 540 and 545. So ultimately, I'd like to see us hit that on the charts and then get some coverage on here as far as uh, you know, new crop for these cattle feeders and, and uh, whatnot to get something locked in there as far as long-term for long-term needs. You know, we can maybe do some short-dated options and things like that to get us through uh, you know, our typical uh, spring rally that we see in the grains. But Corn is sitting in a very interesting uh, spot here to end the month. Now, what I mean by that is that 540 to 545 area. Do we hit that next Friday potentially on a bearish acreage number, then turn this thing around in the month of April, get our seasonal two and a half, three month rally, and then we start to think about selling corn or selling more corn or selling cash corn around that uh, Memorial Day uh, to Juneteenth for our row crop producers, and as well as those cattle producers that have that uh, production locked up physical, maybe getting some downside protection on for them just in case this market does crater during the summertime, which it typically does. And as far as the acreage report, we'll trade that for probably 10 minutes and we'll be looking at uh, weather as far as the Southern Plains. When we get to weather here in the central USA too, when are the corn planters gonna roll? Are we gonna thaw out in the Northern Plains? What are things looking like up there? There's already some talk of preventive plant up there so it's the end of march here so we've got a ways to go before we really get the ball rolling on that all right we've got a real quick time here heather uh tell me real fast what is your gonna see pick on commodity um into this coming week because it seems like every week features somebody new yeah i you know i don't know that we have a pick on commodity hopefully from the row crop standpoint i'm kind of optimistic that maybe we've seen a little bit of a directional change here on corn and wheat and that we can use that to piggyback a couple of days of correction here 
overall, it feels like that is very undervalued. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. I agree with Kyle in the sense that this thing, every 10 minutes, it's a new trade. <laughs> so who knows? Um, but I do think if we see that April rally, then that that's a good momentum changer for us. Let's not kid ourselves. We're a long ways from having this 23 crop taken care of and in the bag. And next week is just the start of kind of defining what that looks like. Very well put. Thanks to both of you joining us this week. Just want to quickly remind folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's been the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.